Chapter 13 The Nature of Spiritual Hunger Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Matthew 5, 6 We have now arrived at the fourth step of blessedness. Blessed are they which do hunger. The words fall into two parts. There is a duty implied and a promise annexed. In this chapter we will deal with the first part, a duty implied. Blessed are they which do hunger. Spiritual hunger is a blessed hunger. What is meant by hunger? Hunger is used for desire, Isaiah 26, 9. Spiritual hunger is the rational appetite whereby the soul longs after that which it believes is most suitable and proportional to itself. From where does this hunger come? Hunger comes from the sense of need. He who spiritually hungers has a real sense of his own need. He needs righteousness. What is meant by righteousness? There is a twofold righteousness. There is a righteousness of imputation and a righteousness of implantation. A righteousness of imputation refers to Christ's righteousness. He shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6. This is as truly ours to justify as it is Christ's to bestow. By virtue of this righteousness, God looks upon us as if we had never sinned. Numbers 23, 21. This is a perfect righteousness. Ye are complete in Him. Colossians 2, 10. This not only covers, but it adorns. He who has this righteousness is equal to the most illustrious saints. The weakest believer is justified as much as the strongest. This is a Christian's triumph. When he is defiled in himself, he is undefiled in his head. In this blessed righteousness we shine brighter than the angels. This righteousness is worth hungering after. A righteousness of implantation, or inherent righteousness, refers to the graces of the Spirit, holiness of heart and life, which Kajitan called universal righteousness. A pious soul hungers after this. This is a blessed hunger. Bodily hunger cannot make a person as miserable as spiritual hunger makes him blessed. This demonstrates life. A dead person cannot hunger. Hunger proceeds from life. The first thing a child does when he is born is to hunger after his mother's milk. Spiritual hunger follows upon the new birth. 1 Peter 2 2. Bernard, in one of his soliloquies, comforted himself by knowing that he had the truth of grace in him because he had a strong desire after God in his heart. It is good when, although we do not have what we should, we desire what we do not have. The appetite is from God as well as the food. See here at what a low price God sets heavenly things. The cost is only hungering and thirsting. Ho, every one that thirsteth, Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Isaiah 55, 1. We are not told to bring any merits, as the Roman Catholics would do, nor to bring a sum of money to purchase righteousness. Rich people would be reluctant to do that. 
All that's required is to bring an appetite. Christ has fulfilled all righteousness. Matthew 3:15. We are only to hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is fair and reasonable. God does not require rivers of oil, but sighs and tears. The invitation of the gospel is free. If a friend invites guests to his table, he doesn't expect them to bring money to pay for their dinner, but only to come with an appetite. God says, I do not require penance, pilgrimage, or self-righteousness. You must only be hungry, hunger and thirst after righteousness. God could have set Christ and salvation at a higher price, but He has set a low price. Not only does this show us the sweetness of God's nature, that He is not a hard master, but it also shows us the inexcusableness of those who perish under the gospel. What excuse can anyone make at the day of judgment when God will ask that question, Friend, why did you not embrace Christ? I set Christ and grace at a low rate. If you had only hungered after righteousness, you could have had it, but you disregarded Christ. You had such low thoughts of righteousness that you would not hunger after it. How do you think to escape who have neglected so great salvation? Hebrews 2 3. The easier the terms of the gospel are, the severer punishment they will be thought worthy of who unworthily refuse such an offer. It shows us the true character of a godly man. He hungers and thirsts after spiritual things. Psalm 73 25, Isaiah 26 9. A true saint is carried upon the wing of desire. It is the very nature and character of a gracious soul to thirst after God. Psalm 42 2. In the Word preached, how he is filled with desire. These are some of the prayers of his soul. Lord, you have led me into your courts. Oh, that I may have your sweet presence, so that your glory may fill the temple. I am your faltering house. Will you put some sacred lineaments of grace upon my soul, so that I may be more assimilated and changed into the likeness of my dear Saviour? In prayer, how the soul is filled with passionate longings after Christ. Prayer is expressed by groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8.26 The heart sends up whole volleys of sighs to heaven. Lord, one beam of your love, one drop of your blood. It reproves those who do not have this spiritual hunger. They have no elevated desires. The edge of their affections is dull. Honey is not sweet to those who are sick of a fever and have their tongues embittered with illness. Those who are soul-sick and in the gall of bitterness, Acts 8.23, find no sweetness in God or in Christianity. Sin tastes sweeter to them. They have no spiritual hunger. The following seven tests show that people do not have this hunger after righteousness. 1. They never felt any emptiness. They are full of their own righteousness. Romans 10.3. The full soul loatheth an honeycomb. Proverbs 27.7. This was Laodicea's disease. She was full and had no stomach either for Christ's gold or eye salve. Revelation 3.17. When people are filled with pride, this arrogant affliction hinders holy longings. 
just as the appetite is spoiled when the stomach is full of wind. There is no one as empty of grace as he who thinks he is full. He who least wants righteousness has most need of it. 2. They can adjust well enough to be without it. If they have oil in the jar, the world coming in, they are well content. Grace is a commodity that is least missed. You will hear people complain that they lack health or lack business, but they never complain that they lack righteousness. If people miss a meal or two, they think of themselves as half dead, but they can stay away from ordinances which are the conduits of grace. Do they hunger after righteousness who are satisfied without it? No, but they desire to be excused from feeding upon the gospel banquet. Luke 14, 18-20. Certainly he has no appetite who asks to be excused from eating. 3. They desire sleep rather than food. They are more drowsy than hungry. There are some who come to the word so that they may get a nap, to whom we may say as Christ did to Peter, Couldest not thou watch one hour? Mark 14, 37. It's strange to see a person asleep at his meal. There are others who have a deep sleep fallen upon them. They are asleep in security, and they hate a soul-awakening ministry. While they sleep, their damnation slumbereth not. 2 Peter 2, 3. 4. They refuse their food. Christ and grace are offered, and even urged upon them but they put away salvation from them in the same way that the stubborn child turns away from his mother's milk. Psalm 81, 11, Acts 13, 46. This is similar to the zealots and enthusiasts who put away the blessed word and pretend to have revelations. It is a strange revelation that tells a man he may live without food. These people prefer husks before manna. They live upon airy notions, being fed by the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians 2, 2. 5. They delight more in the garnishing of the dish than in food. These are the people who look more after elegance and imagination in preaching than solid matter. It argues either an unprincipled palate or a fat stomach to feed on salads and fancy dishes, neglecting other wholesome food. If any man consent not to wholesome words, he is proud, knowing nothing. 1 Timothy 6, 3-4 The plainest truth has its beauty. Those who only desire to feast their imagination have no spiritual hunger. Of such people the prophet says, Thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument. Ezekiel 33:32 If a man were invited to a feast where there was music and he would so listen to the music that he did not eat his food you would say surely he's not hungry when men are for jingling words and prefer elegant speech to holiness of matter it is a sign that they have fat stomachs and itching ears 2 Timothy 4:3 6 they prefer their profits and recreations before it. If a boy is playing in the street when he should be at dinner, it is a sign that he has no hunger for his food. 
If he were hungry, he would not prefer his play before his food. In the same way, when people prefer vain things which cannot profit, 1 Samuel 12.21, before the blood of Christ and the grace of the Spirit, it is a sign that they have no appetite or stomach for heavenly things. And seven, they are more for disputes in religion than for living it. Robert of Gaul thought he saw in his dream a great feast, and some were biting on hard stones. When men feed only on hard questions and controversies, 1 Timothy 6, 3-4, as whether one may partake with him who does not have the work of grace in his heart, whether one should not separate from a church in case of corrupt administration, what is to be thought of infant baptism, etc., when these points and opinions in religion take men's heads, neglecting faith and holiness, they pick at bones and do not feed on the meat. Skeptics in religion have hot brains but cold hearts. If people hungered and thirsted after righteousness, they would propose to themselves such questions as these, How can we be saved? How can we make our calling and election sure? How will we subdue our corruptions? I call heaven to witness that those who spend their time in foolish and quarrelsome disputes are strangers to this text. They do not hunger and thirst after righteousness. The word reproves those who thirst after riches instead of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. This is the thirst of covetous people. They desire riches rather than manna. They pant after the dust of the earth. Amos 2, 7. This is the disease that most people are afflicted with, an excessive appetite after the world. However, these things will no more satisfy than drink will quench the thirst of a man with edema. Covetousness is idolatry. Colossians 3, 5. Too many Christians set up the idol of gold in the temple of their hearts. This sin of covetousness is the most difficult to root out. When other sins leave people, this sin often remains. Carelessness, lust, and cruelty are the sins of youth. Worldliness is the sin of old age. The Word condemns those who hunger and thirst after unrighteousness. I will here point out three types of people whom the Word reproves. 1. It reproves those who thirst after other people's lands and possessions. The Bible calls this a mighty sin. Amos 5.12 Ahab thirsted after Naboth's vineyard. This is a hungry age in which we live. We have a great deal of this hungering and thirsting, which has made so many state thieves. People have fleeced others to feather themselves. What a brave challenge Samuel made! Behold, here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Of whose hand have I received any bribe? 1 Samuel 12, 3. Few who have been in power can say, Whose ox have we taken? Whose house have we plundered? Whose land and possessions have we confiscated? Rather, whose ox have they not taken? According to the second century Roman poet Juvenal, 
Goods unjustly gotten seldom go to the third heir. Listen to the plunderer's curse. Woe to thee that spoilest, and thou wast not spoiled, and dealest treacherously, and they dealt not treacherously with thee. When thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled. Isaiah 33, 1. Ahab paid dearly for the vineyard, when the devil carried away his soul, and the dogs licked his blood. 1 Kings 21, 19. He who lives by plundering others dies a fool. He that getteth riches, and not by right, shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at his end shall be a fool. Jeremiah 17, 11. 2. It reproves those who hunger and thirst after revenge. This is a devilish thirst. Although it is more Christian and safe to smother a wrong, yet our nature is prone to this disease of revenge. We have the sting of the bee, not the honey. Malice, having broken the bars of reason, grows savage and carries its remedy in the scabbard. Heathens who have stopped the vein of revengeful passion when it has begun to vent will rise up against Christians. I have read of Phocion, who, being wrongfully condemned to die, desired that his son might not remember the wrongs that the Athenians had done to him, nor revenge his blood. And three, it reproves those who hunger and thirst to satisfy their impure lusts. Sinners are said to sin with greediness, Ephesians 4.19. Amnon was sick until he had defiled Tamar's chastity, 2 Samuel 13. Never does a hungry person come with more eagerness to his food than a wicked person does to his sin. When Satan sees people have such an appetite, he will commonly provide a dish they love. He will set the forbidden fruit before them. Those who thirst to commit sin will thirst as dives did in hell, and will not have a drop of water to cool their tongues. Luke 16, 19-31. Let us examine ourselves to see whether we hunger and thirst after righteousness. I will give you five signs by which you may judge of this hunger. 1. Hunger is a painful thing. When Esau was returning from hunting, he was almost dead with hunger. Genesis 25:32. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Psalm 107:5. In the same way, one who hungers after righteousness is in anguish of soul and is ready to faint away because of it. He finds a need for Christ and grace. He is distressed and in pain until he has his spiritual hunger quieted and relieved. 2. Hunger is satisfied with nothing but food. You can bring a hungry person flowers, you can play music for him, and you can tell him pleasant stories, but nothing will content him except food. Shall I die for thirst? Samson asked, Judges 15, 18. Someone who hungers and thirsts after righteousness says, Give me Christ or I die. Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go Christless? What does it matter even if I have land, wealth, honor, and esteem in the world? All is nothing without Christ. Show me the Lord, and it will satisfy me. Let me have Christ to clothe me, Christ to feed me, and Christ to intercede for me. While the soul is Christless, 
it is restless. Nothing but the wellsprings of Christ's blood can quench its thirst. 3. Hunger wrestles with difficulties and makes an adventure for food. We say hunger breaks through stone walls. Genesis 42, 1-2 The soul that spiritually hungers is resolved that it must have Christ and it must have grace. To use Basil's expression, the hungry soul is almost distracted until it enjoys the thing it hungers after. 4. A hungry person sits for his meal with an appetite. You don't need to make a speech to a hungry man to persuade him to eat. He who hungers after righteousness feeds eagerly on God's word. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Jeremiah 15, 16. In the Lord's Supper, he feeds with appetite upon the body and blood of the Lord. God loves to see us feed hungrily on the bread of life. And five, a hungry person tastes sweetness in his food. He who hungers after righteousness delights in a sweetness in heavenly things. Christ is to him the center, the perfection of delights. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. 1 Peter 2, 3. To him who spiritually hungers, the promises taste sweet, and even the reproofs taste sweet. To the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Proverbs 27, 7. A bitter reproof is sweet. One who is spiritually hungry can feed upon the myrrh of the gospel as well as the honey. By these notes of trial we may judge of ourselves whether we hunger and thirst after righteousness. The words may serve to comfort the hearts of those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I do not doubt that it is the grief of many good hearts that they cannot be more holy and cannot serve God better. Blessed are they that hunger. Although you do not have as much righteousness as you would like, yet you are blessed because you hunger after it. Desire is the best indication of a Christian. Actions may be counterfeit. A person may do a good action for a bad end. This is what Jehu did. Actions may be compulsory. A person may be forced to do that which is good without desiring that which is good. Therefore, we are to cherish good desires and to thank God for them. A child of God often has nothing to show for himself except desires. Thy servants who desire to fear thy name. Nehemiah 1.11 These hungerings after righteousness proceed from love. A person does not desire that which he does not love. If you did not love Christ, you could not hunger after him. Some people may say, If my hunger were right, then I could take comfort in it, but I am afraid it is counterfeit. Hypocrites have their desires. In reply, so that I may better calm a doubting Christian, I will show the difference between true and false desires, between spiritual hunger and carnal. The hypocrite does not desire grace for himself. He desires grace only as a bridge to lead him over to heaven. He does not so much search after grace as after glory. He does not so much desire the way of righteousness as the crown of righteousness. His desire is not to be made like Christ, but to reign with Christ. This was Balaam's desire. Let me die the death of the righteous. 
Numbers 23.10. Desires such as these are found among the damned. This is the hypocrite's hunger. But a child of God desires grace for himself, and Christ for himself. To a believer, not only is heaven precious, but Christ is precious. 1 Peter 2.7. The hypocrite's desire is conditional. He wants heaven and his sins too. He wants heaven and his pride, heaven and his covetousness. The young man in the gospel wanted heaven as long as he could have kept his earthly possessions. Mark 10, 17-22. Many people want Christ, but there is some sin they want to gratify and hold on to. This is the hypocrite's hunger, but true desire is absolute. The soul says, Give me Christ on any terms. Let God propose whatever conditions He wants. I will accept them. Does He want me to deny myself? Does He want me to put my sin to death? I am content to do anything so that I may have Christ. Hypocrites say that they want Christ, but they are reluctant to part with sinful desires for Him. They are like a man who desires a property but doesn't want to pay for it. Hypocrites' desires are only desires. They are lazy and sluggish. When someone encouraged Lipsius to study virtue, he said, My mind is to it. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs 21.25 Many people stand as the wagon driver in the fable, crying, Help, Hercules, when his wagon was stuck in the mud when instead he should have put his shoulder to the wheel. People want to be saved, but they will take no effort. Does he who will not lower the bucket into the well desire water? True desire is energized into effort. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. Isaiah 26, 9. The violent take heaven by force. Matthew 11:12. The lovesick spouse, although she was wounded and her veil had been taken away, still followed after Christ. Song of Solomon 5:7. Desire is the weight of the soul that sets it in motion, just as the eagle that desires its prey hurries to it. Where the slain are, there is she. Job 39:30. The eagle has sharpness of sight to discover her prey, and swiftness of wing to fly to it. So the soul that hungers after righteousness is carried swiftly to it in the use of all holy means. The hypocrite's desires are cheap. He wants spiritual things, but doesn't want to pay any cost for them. He doesn't care how much money he parts with for his lusts. He has money to spend upon a drunken companion but he has no money to part with for maintaining God's decrees. Hypocrites approve of religion, but oppose supporting ministers. True desires are costly. David would not offer burnt offerings without cost. 1 Chronicles 21.24 A hungry man will give anything for food, as seen in the siege of Samaria, 2 Kings 6.25. That person never hungered after Christ who thinks much of parting with a little silver for the pearl of great price. Matthew 13.45-46 Hypocrites' desires are cheap and fleeting. They are quickly gone, 
like the wind that doesn't stay long in one corner, or like a hot spell that is soon over. While the hypocrite is under legal terror or in affliction, he has some good desires, but the enthusiasm is soon over. His goodness, like a fiery comet, soon burns out and evaporates. But true desire is constant. It is observable that the Greek word in the text is in the participle, Blessed are they which do hunger. Although they have righteousness, they are still hungering after more. Hypocrites desire it like the motion of a watch that quickly winds down. The desire of a godly man is like the beating of the pulse that lasts as long as life. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments. Psalm 119, 20. So that we might not think this twinge of desire would soon be over, he adds, at all times. David's desire after God was not a temporary moment of a burning fever, but was the constant complexion of his soul. In the temple, the fire was not to go out by night. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. Leviticus 6.13. Cyril said that there was a mystery in it to show that we must be ever burning in holy affections and desires. Hypocrites' desires are inopportune. They are not well timed. They put off their hungering after righteousness until it is too late. They are like the foolish virgins who came knocking when the door was shut. Matthew 25:11. In times of health and prosperity, the stream of the affections runs another way. The hypocrite then desires sin, not righteousness. When he is about to die and cannot keep his sins any longer, then he wants grace as a passport to carry him to heaven. Luke 13:25. This is the hypocrite's fault. His faith is too early and his desires are too late. His faith began to bud in the morning of his infancy. He believed ever since he could remember, but he did not desire Christ until the evening of old age. He sends forth his desires when his last breath is going forth, as if a man would desire forgiveness only after the sentence is passed. These deathbed desires are suspicious, but true desires are timely and seasonable. A gracious heart seeks first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6:33. David's thirst after God was early. Psalm 63:1. The wise virgins got their oil early before the bridegroom came. In this we see the difference between a true and false hunger. Those who can find this true hunger are blessed and may take comfort in it. Some people may object that their hunger after righteousness is so weak that they are afraid that it is not true. I answer that although the pulse beats weakly, it shows that there is life. So that weak desires are not discouraged, there is a promise made to such people. A bruised reed shall he not break. Matthew 12:20. A reed is a weak thing, but especially when it is bruised. Yet this bruised reed will not be broken, but like Aaron's dry rod will bud and blossom. Numbers 17, 8. In cases of weakness, look to Christ, your high priest. He is merciful. Therefore, he will bear with your infirmities. He is mighty. Therefore, he will help them. Furthermore, if your desires after righteousness seem to be weak and sluggish, 
A Christian may still somewhat measure his spiritual condition by the judgment as well as by the affections. What is it that you esteem most in your judgment? Is it Christ and grace? This is good evidence for heaven. It was a sign that Paul had entire love to Christ because he esteemed this pearl of great price above all. He counted other things but dung that he may win Christ. Philippians 3 8. But, says a child of God, that which much lessens my comfort is that I do not have that hunger that I once had. There was a time when I hungered after the Lord's day, because then the manna fell. I called the Sabbath a delight. Isaiah 58.13. I remember the time when I hungered after the body and blood of the Lord. I came to a sacrament as a hungry man to a feast, but now it is otherwise with me. I don't have those hungerings as I once did. I answer that it is indeed a bad sign for a man to lose his appetite, but although it is a sign of the decay of grace to lose the spiritual appetite, yet it is a sign of the truth of grace to mourn the loss. It is sad to lose our first love, but it is appropriate when we mourn for the loss of our first love. If you don't have that appetite after heavenly things as before, don't be discouraged, for in the use of means you may recover your appetite. The ordinances are for recovering the appetite when it is lost. In other cases, feeding takes away the appetite, but here feeding on an ordinance produces the appetite. The text exhorts us all to labor after this spiritual hunger. Novarinus said, It is too small a thing merely to wish for righteousness, but we must hunger for it on account of a vast longing making itself felt. Hunger less after the world and more after righteousness. Say concerning spiritual things, Lord, give us this bread forevermore. Feed me with this angel's food. The manner that is most to be hungered after is that which will not only preserve life, but will prevent death. John 6, 50. That which is most durable is most desirable. Riches are not forever, Proverbs 27, 24, but righteousness is forever, Proverbs 8, 18. The beauty of holiness never fades, Psalm 110, 3. The robe of righteousness, Isaiah 61, 10, never grows old. O hunger after that righteousness that delivereth from death, Proverbs 11, 4. This is the righteousness that God Himself is in love with. He loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Proverbs 15, 9. All people desire the king's favor. What is a prince's smile except a short-lived beatitude? This sunshine of his royal countenance soon masks itself with a cloud of displeasure. But those who are blessed with righteousness are God's favorites, and how sweet is his smile! Thy loving kindness is better than life. Psalm 63, 3. To persuade people to hunger after this righteousness, consider two things. One, unless we hunger after righteousness, we cannot obtain it. God will never throw away his blessings upon those who do not desire them. A king may say to a rebel, Only desire a pardon, and you will have it. But if through pride and stubbornness he refuses to seek a pardon, he deserves justly to die. 
God has set spiritual blessings at a low cost to us. If you only hunger and thirst, you will have righteousness. But if we refuse to meet these terms, there is no righteousness to be had for us. God will stop the flow of His mercy and set open the gate of His indignation. And two, if we do not thirst here, we will thirst when it is too late. If we do not thirst as David did, my soul thirsteth for God, Psalm 42, 2, we will thirst as the rich man in hell did for a drop of water, Luke 16, 24. Those who do not thirst for righteousness will be in perpetual hunger and thirst. They will thirst for mercy, but there will be no mercy to be had. Heat increases thirst. When people will burn in hell and be scorched with the flames of God's wrath, this heat will increase their thirst for mercy, but there will be nothing to alleviate their thirst. Is it not better to thirst for righteousness while it may be obtained, rather than to thirst for mercy when there is none to be had? Sinners, the time is soon coming when the drawbridge of mercy will be entirely pulled up. I will next briefly describe some helps to spiritual hunger. Avoid those things that will hinder your appetite. Avoid windy things. When the stomach is full of air, a man has little appetite for his food. When a person is filled with a windy opinion of his own righteousness, he will not hunger after Christ's righteousness. He who is puffed up with pride thinks he has grace enough already, and will not hunger after more. These windy vapors spoil the stomach. Sweet things destroy the appetite. By feeding too much upon the sweet, savory delights of the world, we lose our appetite for Christ and grace. You never knew anyone to gorge himself upon the world and at the same time be sick of love for Christ. Song of Solomon 2, 5, 5, 8. While Israel fed with delight upon garlic and onions, they never hungered after manna. The soul cannot be carried to two extremes at once. As the eye cannot look intent on heaven and earth at once, so a person cannot at the same time hunger excessively after both the world and righteousness. The earth puts out the fire. The love of earthly things will quench the desire for spiritual things. Love not the world. 1 John 2.15 The sin is not in having, but in loving. Do all that may provoke spiritual appetite. There are two things that provoke appetite exercise and drink. Exercise. A person, by walking and moving around, gets an appetite for his food. By the exercise of holy duties, the spiritual appetite is increased. Exercise thyself unto godliness. 1 Timothy 4 7. Many people have refrained from private prayer. They seldom hear the word, and for lack of exercise, they have lost their appetite for the Christian religion. Drink. Drink increases and sharpens the appetite. There is a twofold drink that promotes holy appetite. First, the bitter herbs of repentance. He who tastes gall and vinegar in sin hungers after the body and blood of the Lord. Second, affliction. God often gives us this drink to intensify our hunger after grace. Reuben found mandrakes in the field. Genesis 30, 14. 
Mandrakes are a herb of a very strong savour, and among their other virtues, they are used mainly medicinally for those who have weak and bad stomachs. Afflictions may be compared to these mandrakes, for they sharpen people's desires after that spiritual food which they began to loathe and which nauseates them in times of prosperity. Poverty is the drink that cures the overindulgence of plenty. People hunger more after righteousness in sickness than in health. The full soul loathes the honeycomb. Proverbs 27, 7. When Christians are fully fed, they despise the rich tonics of the gospel. I wish we did not disregard those truths now that would taste sweet in a prison. How precarious was a leaf of the Bible in Queen Mary's days! The wise God sees it good sometimes to give us the sharp drink of affliction in order to make us feed more hungrily upon the bread of life. So much for the first part of the text. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness.